All right. So this is part nine. Languages of the Father, part nine. We're getting through this, y'all. <laughs> We're getting through this. Remember, I say there are 19 parts to this. We are getting through this. This is part nine because this is important. Very, 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 very important. Because um, right now we're laying a foundation and we're getting people to hear God. Okay? So this is very important to do because we are reestablishing um, the way in which church really was supposed to be designed as Christ being the foundation and then the teaching of the changing of the minds and the children as well as getting the children to hear the Father because it really never was about the person that was teaching or about the pastor. It was always trying to get you to be reconciled back to your Father. So we tonight we will be going through if I can list them all the calling and submission to leadership as the way in which the Father can speak to you, which is very, it was very interesting studying that. We will be going through the gift of the word of knowledge. We will be going through the gift of the word of wisdom. And we will be going through the gift of the discerning of spirits. All ways in which the Father can speak to you. Now, as we, as I, you know, progress in teaching and stuff, I will do a more in-depth teaching on um, discerning of spirits, specifically. Because it's another way of me walking in my office as a prophet to equip you in that area. It's part of your equipment, discerning of spirits. So let's go to part nine, number 44. The 44th way we're talking about in which the Father speaks, and that's the calling and the submission to leadership. Now, the voice of the Father calls each person to a specific area of ministry and to a specific work. Now, why is that important? That's important because of that, we don't have to convince other people or wait for others to say that we are called to do something to work our way into a specific position. We do not have to get authority from another person when the father is the one that is doing the calling. Because sometimes we would be waiting forever, <laughs> depending on if people thought we was important or not, depending upon whether people thought that we was worthy or not, depending upon whether people thought that they just didn't think, <laughs> you know? So we could be waiting forever. But the very fact that the voice of the Father calls each person to a specific area of the ministry frees you in your mind as looking for others to where you should be. So where the Father directs us, you can be assured that he will also provide for us. 
The Father will never, ever, ever give you instructions, and he would not have a provision there for it. That's just not how he operates. He would never say go left and there's nothing. When you go to left, there's nothing there to see. So you can be assured that if he tells you to do something, there is something on the opposite end of that waiting for you. So all we must do is obey his voice, number one, in whatever season, that's important, obey his voice in whatever season, not just the season that's good for you, not just the season in which you feel like you're winning, but to obey his voice in every season, whether you have a clear understanding about it or not, obey. So in this, when you obey his voice in whatever season it is, then by faith, do what is set before you to do. Then you have to turn around and rest in him. Now, let me go back because that was a whole lot. First, obeying his voice. <laughs> That's right, dad, dad. <laughs> Obey his voice no matter what season. You got to do it by faith because you won't see what he's doing. So there has to be a point where you do it by faith, meaning that you're not looking at what you are seeing in this natural realm. You're not looking at your bank account. <laughs> you're not looking at how much strength you got <laughs> to, in order to do it. You're not looking at, you know, your, your weaknesses on, okay, I can't do it because I don't have. You're not doing it because of that. You're doing it by faith, meaning that there's a trust, not that I can do it, but that he can do it. And a lot of times there's, I'm veering off of my message, but that's okay, I'm coming back. <laughs> but a lot of times... And that's where that kind of that orphan heart sits because you don't trust the father to do it. Now, we know we can't do it because we're limited. We might be limited in resources, limited in our family, limited in our ability to speak or our, how much education we got. There's a whole lot of limits going on with us, but he is unlimited. So that is where the anchor is thrown in that direction, not our direction. So we trust that he is able to do it and not have an orphan heart to the point where not only do we not trust ourselves not to do it, but we don't trust him to do it either. So even if you don't trust yourself to do it, you got to know that the father can do it. Just like the situation with Abraham and Sarah. Now, guess what? Her womb was dead. She was old. Now, there was any reason not to believe that they could not have a baby at this age. This was a good reason, <laughs> naturally speaking, intellectually speaking. This is a super good reason. 
But that's not what Abraham did. He said he did not even consider that. That was not even a part of his ability to say that this could be done. He said he didn't even think about that. All the things that he could think about was the fact that God was able to do it. Somebody needed that because I'm way off. My <laughs> Amen. So we obey his voice in whatever season it is, and then by faith we do it. And then when we start to do it by faith, it becomes rest for us. How the Bible says to labor to enter into his rest. This is what he's talking about. He's already done it. We're receiving. We're not doing. We're receiving. The things that we are laboring in, we're laboring in prayer. We're laboring in the word. We're laboring to hear him. We're laboring to see it in the spirit, to advance the kingdom. Those are the things in which we labor in. But as far as natural labor to make it happen and make it be done, that's not our job. That's the Father's job. We are cold, what? Labors. We do the spiritual labors. He take care of all the rest. And when that happens, that's when you see the doors that starts to open for you. That's when you see it manifest in this realm. Just like Proverbs 18 and 16 declares that our gift will make room for us. How is that possible? Obeying the voice. Whatever season, walking by faith, resting in him, and then waiting for the doors to open. And then our gift will make room for us. But also, I may add that it is also our character that will keep you there. Because you got to remain there. But it's going to be your character that keeps you there. Now, the Father always prepares us before, key word, before he sends us out. Okay? Which takes time. Because growth is progressive and not aggressive and automatic. Growth is progressive. So Jesus called 12 men and then prepared them for the work of the ministry. Their only call was to follow him. Let's go to Matthew 4 and 19. TBT version. And it says, Jesus called out to them and said, come and follow me. And I will transform you into men who catch people for God. This is funny. I like to read scriptures backwards too. So in order to make them people catchers, they had to follow him. They had to learn his ways. They had to submit to the calling of leadership, which was a way in which, in this case, Jesus was speaking to him, to all of the disciples. 
So many times the disciples just sat and listened. As we read the Bible, we can see that many times the disciples, they just sat and listened to Jesus' teachings while receiving impartation. Now, you can receive impartation by sitting under the teachings of a person. Because the basic impartation is, is the giving and receiving of spiritual gifts, blessings, healing, baptism of the spirit, and many more other things. As well as information. So, Jesus' disciples was called to a relationship first. While they received this impartation, they became trained as students. And then later, they were commissioned as ready apostles. So the lesson here is that there first must be a seasoning of listening. Just like the apostles sat and they listened. There's a season of listen, listening. There's a season of learning. Those are two different words. To sit and listen and to learn is two different things. Because when I'm listening, I'm taking in the information. But when I'm learning, I'm learning to do something with the information. I'm trying to learn where would this information be relevant for my life where I can actually use it and do something with it. Then there's a season of literally being taught. Now that's different. Listening, learning, and being taught are three different things. Now being taught is more along the lines of seeing and doing. You see something work and you do it. So, we follow before we lead. Amen? So, in other words, Jesus trained, educated, equipped, and prepared his 12 disciples in three ways. Let me get the other slide. The first way he did. Remember, every single time he would come across a disciple that he wanted to teach or mentor, he would tell them, follow me. So the first thing he did is that they were called to be with him, meaning they were called to the relationship first or sonship. The second thing, they were called to obey him. That's why, the, that's why he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? Because guess what? If you know what the relationship is between the child and the father, you wouldn't have any problem obeying my voice. So they were called to obey him or to lordship. And then they were called to follow his example as the model. So you sat here and you listened, you've been taught, you've gotten fed, I told you to go and you did. And so they were 
called to follow his examples, that when he died and he ascended, now they were called to whatever blueprint or whatever um, frame that he had put in and set in order when he was um, in his ministry, there was to follow that very same example, which actually goes into stewardship, which is serving. Serving the people. So let's go to Mark 3 and 14. The NLT version. And it says, then he appointed 12 of them and called them his apostles. They were to accompany him and he would send them out to preach. They would to accompany him. Then he would send them out to preach. So Mark 3 and 14 was not just a passive acknowledgement. This scripture is just not just acknowledging what Jesus did. This scripture goes beyond that. It's, it's an act of setting them in place as he showed you how he prepared them for the mission. He prepared them for the mission because they sat and they learned. After they sat and they learned, he sent them out. So the word appointed in the Greek as a verb, poieo, means to do or make, and that's P-O-I-E-O. It means to do or make, meaning that he, imp he imparted his favor, his blessings, and his grace as apostles to become ambassadors for the kingdom for the Father. This is what he did when he said he appointed them and then sent them out. He's led appointed means that he imparted as they sat and they and they learned from him. There was an impartation of his favor, his blessings, and his grace to do what they were called to do. And then when that was complete, what he is saying here in that scripture is that they became apostle, which means sent out ones. So he appointed them, he prepared them, they was, received the impartation, they sat under him, they listened, they learned, they were taught, they did as he did, and because of that, they became apostles, which means sent out one. What are they sent out for? <laughs> because in order to be sent out, it means that you had been sent from a place first. So they had to hear Jesus' instructions and follow the example in order that they could learn the voice of the one in which who was leading, which was what? The good shepherd, which goes back to the scripture that my sheep hear my voice. But the only way they could know the voice of the father was to sit and to hear and to see what he does. Now, we must keep in mind that one of the prophetic ways the Father speaks to us is through our local churches, through leadership, whether it's through a spiritual father, mother, a covering, a network of leaders in order to serve as an accountability of protection. That's protection for you. That's why a lot of times they, people call it, but it's cliche is, but I'm going to tell you what they're trying to actually say. Because a lot of times we say cliche is things and we kind of go along with it like, oh, okay, your spiritual covering, but what does that really mean? 
So pretty much what spiritual covering means is accountability. You are accountable to somebody. Somebody is pouring into you in order to become what God has called you to become. Somebody is preparing you for what God has called you to do because you have to become prepared in order to do. Amen. Now, the next one that we will be going into, which is kind of like my thing because I love psychology and the mind, but is that the Father speaks to you through the recurring, the reoccurring, and through your directed thoughts. This was very interesting. And we're coming from 1 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16. And I want you guys to really be paying attention to this because this is, this is, when I read this, I was like, oh, wow, can you not be any clearer, Father, about, I mean, you can't, <laughs> we've adopted this saying that you can't make this stuff up, but you can't really, you know, you can't make this stuff up when you see it. It's plain as day, it's here. So 1 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16, and I got it in the message version because there's some, some scriptures I will read in the message version because I need for it to be broken down in the most simplest way sometimes because things can get very complicated. So, well, people can make things very complicated. But when you simplify things, it's, it's easy for you really to get it. So it says... Verse 14 through 16, the unspiritual self, just as it is by nature, can't receive the gifts of God's spirit. There's no capacity for them. There's no room for it. Can't comprehend it. Can't understand spiritual things. Somebody that's natural, they don't know what you're talking about. You talking about how God is moving and spiritual and doing this and fasting and praying and God opening doors and operating in the prophetic and they looking at you like, mm, I don't know anything you're talking about. Because it has no room. Just like I said, it has no capacity for spiritual things. So it says they seem like so much silliness. It's silly to them for, them, for you to give 10% in the kingdom. That's silly. Like, why in the world? I just got paid $1,000. Why in the world would I give $100 for ties? That's silly. That's silly to them. It's foolishness to them. But you've seen it work. You know it works. So it says they seem like so much silliness. Spirit can be known only by spirit. God's spirit and our spirit in open communion. Spiritually alive, we have access to everything God's spirit is doing. So if you have the spirit of God, it says right here, you have access. Now, this is different. You have access. But it don't mean that you've received. You have access, but it doesn't mean that you understand you even have access. You have access, but it doesn't mean that you, got the, you have the keys. So just because you have access of something, you may not even know you have access to it. 
For instance, someone may not know that they have access to God through dreams. And because they lack knowledge in that area and God has been speaking to them in dreams, they have what? They have not entered in. They have the same access, Christians and God, just like you, but they don't believe in dreams and visions. They don't believe in prophecy. So just because you have access to something, that does not mean that you're operating in it, you're flowing in it, you're understanding it, and you've actually received it. So, where was I? Spiritually alive, we have access to everything God's spirit is doing and can't be judged by unspiritual critics, Lord. So please, 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 please. I'm going to say it again. Like Paul would say, I urge you, <laughs> my brothers in Christ, <laughs> Please, please, please don't get offended when somebody unspiritual don't know nothing you're talking about. They're not supposed to. They can't receive what you're saying. They don't even understand what you're saying. Isaiah's question, is there anyone around who knows God's spirit? Anyone who knows what he is doing has been answered. Christ knows. And we have Christ's spirit. So if anybody know, you know. If anybody know, you know. Because you got to know that if anybody knows what's really going on, you know. So we believers possess the Holy Spirit who reveals the thoughts and purposes of Christ. So the revelation of the kingdom of God that Jesus preached was not understood by intellect of men but by those who welcome the truth. And that was one of his first message. Repent, the kingdom of God has come near. It's come unto you. <laughs> but not a lot of people understood what he was talking about. But those that were hungry and those that were thirsty was able to understand what kingdom, and sometimes even they became off about that. They thought there was his, he was talking about a natural kingdom that he was just going to take over. So humanly speaking, no one can understand the mysteries of God without the Holy Spirit because he's doing the revealing. The Holy Spirit is doing the revealing. He's revealing the truth concerning all things to you. So those who have the Holy Spirit now possess the perception of Christ's mind and can implement his purposes in the earth. Now, 
because sometimes the mind wanders off. We are talking about the way in which the Father speaks through reoccurring and directed thoughts. So our minds, keep this in mind. We got to go into a little psychology lesson. I hope I don't bore you, <laughs> but we got to know this information. It's more spiritual psychology. Our minds were created by our Father to function and to hear him. It was created that way on purpose. Think about it. He made you. Why would he not create a way in which for you to hear him? He literally made your mind. So you're telling me the creator is going to make your mind and not put the very thing that you need in it in order to have com communication with him. He literally created your mind. He, he knows your thoughts. <laughs> Let's known created your mind. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're going to pray for before you can even ask. How was that possible? He created every part of your mind. And because he's done that, you got to know I'm able to hear my father. He set it up for me to hear him. So the creature knows how our minds work and how we process things. So he is the one who aligns our minds to be synchronized with his mind, his will, and his purposes. How do we get there? The word. Our mind has to line up with his mind. That is what the disciples did, but they did not have a physical book. We are reading the physical book in order to get a glimpse of the mind that was in Christ Jesus. We don't have that privilege of literally following him. They had that privilege to see him in action, to be taught directly by him. So he's trying to, he makes your mind, he makes it for you to be able to communicate with him, but your mind needs alignment because you've been in the world, you've been in the orphanage, you're having a hard time hearing. Sometimes based upon the type of natural parents that you have, because sometimes we associate the father, our natural father with our spiritual father. Because so a lot of times strongholds have to be broken, deliverance have to be done, just so you can break away from those demonic spiritual things that's attached to you in the spirit so that you can hear your father's voice clearly. So the Father desires to speak to us through our thoughts. In other words, our thoughts are not just merely ours. That's important. But they become a gateway. Your thoughts are a gateway into the mind and the heart chamber of the Father. And that's why you have to watch what you listen to what you read, and what you watch, because your mind is a gateway to the mind of Christ. But if you have been feeding yourself toxic things, how can you gain 
or get access to the mind of Christ. But there's a part that we have to play in order to make this happen and which I've talked about is we have to, as the Bible say, renew our minds. He's not saying that to be cliche is that is a physical thing. It's not something that we just hold in our heads. Oh, the Lord said for us to renew our minds. So when I'm coming to church, I'm renewing my mind. No, ma'am. No, sir. You come in here to hear, you come in here to receive impartation, you come in here to grow up. The fivefold ministry is helping you grow to the full measure, but there's a part that you have to play in in renewing your mind. You've got to get in that word. You've got to get your personal time in with that word because that word is the thing that's going to begin to shift the way you think. And it's going to start to give you access to the mind of Christ. So we got to get away from putting all of this toxic stuff in us because they're becoming weights in the spirit. It's like a, a clogged drain pipe. It's like um, airways that's being clogged. You, you can't hear correctly. You don't know, like, is that my thoughts or did God just tell me to go pray for her? We don't know because it seems it's like it's kind of jumbled. It's like everywhere. We don't know if God is speaking or it's like, oh, is that demonic? And we should know. So let's go to Romans 12, 1 and 2. The message version. This is a good one too. And it says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you, so your father helping you, take your everyday ordinary life you're sleeping you're eating going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering he said give it to me your everyday he said ordinary life I don't care he says if it's sleeping if it's eating if you're going to work or you're just walking around just doing nothing he said place it as an offering as a sacrifice give it to me he says embracing what God does for you not what you do for him embracing what God does for you is the best thing you could do for him receiving what he's already done for you he says is the best thing you could possibly do for your life hmm. don't become this this blew me away don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. That's crazy. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. 
Don't allow this culture, he said, to bring you down to its immaturity level by adapting to its culture. He said, let him work in you. Let him mature you. Because a transformed mind comes through a daily renewal process and the Father doesn't want us to be double-minded, which will only bring about instability. And I've seen it so many times as a doctor. The person don't have bipolar. <laughs> They're unstable in their thoughts. And it's manifesting in this realm, but we call it bipolar. Just so that we can give a, give a natural understanding of what we cannot understand in the spirit. That person is unstable in their thoughts. Let's go to James 1 and 8. Some people won't believe unless you show in the scripture. <laughs> James 1 and 8 says, when you are half-hearted and wavering, it leaves you unstable. Meaning, it leaves you restless and it leaves you disengaged. Can you really expect to receive anything from the Lord? When you are in that condition, I don't know if God going to do it. I don't, maybe he's not going to do it. Maybe I need to go to the right. Maybe I need to go, I don't know if I, that's unstable. Well, my sister said that we've always done it this way and this, this, but God has shown me that I need to do it that, that's unstable. That's unstable in your mind. If the father told you to do something, he says, do it. You can't expect to receive anything if you're unstable because the Bible says that you got to know that he is able and that he is, he's a rewarder of those that diligently, what? Seek him. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 10, 5 through 6. All of these was good when I was reading them. They filled me up. They did. <laughs> they really did. These are really eye-opening scriptures. Three through six. It says the world is unprincipled, meaning that they don't walk in, they don't care nothing about morals. They have no principles that they live by. The world is unprincipled. It's a doggy dog out there every man for himself nobody looking out for nobody I got to get mine he said that's the way the world is the world doesn't fight fair guess what it's not fair that somebody just came in and took your position you've been waiting for for 20 years they don't care nothing about morals nepotism my, my cousin go get this job, the CEO job. He ain't got nothing in his resume that say that he can actually perform this. And you've been doing this for 20 years and you got to train the very person <laughs> that you applied for the position. Guess what? The world is not fair, he said. It's not fair. They're not going to operate in fairness. They take care of their own. 
but we don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have and never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing and manipulation, but they are for, well, demolishing that entire massive corrupt culture. The tools that you possess literally demolishes that culture. Why in the world would you bring yourself down to such a culture that's immature? A culture that has a low level of wisdom. He says, the tools of our trade are for marketing and manipulation, but they are for demolishing the entire massive corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers, erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Everything is submitting to the word. How you feel about something, all your emotions, all your impulses, our tools are ready at hand. So whenever you need them, he says they're accessible for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. So the Father will speak to us in our own language, in our own dialect, in our own speech, and he understands every culture. The Father will speak to us, giving us what is on his mind and on our thoughts by what? Revelation. Last two scriptures for this section, we're going to go to, let's see, 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 12. And this is in the TPT version as well. It says, but God now unveils these profound realities to us by the spirit, pretty much wisdom. Yes, he has revealed to us his innermost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit who constantly explores all things. I do this often. I was telling Pastor Pierre this, that I often ask We'll get into the teaching of that, but just making sure you ask the right thing con concerning or considering what you're trying to get from the Father, what you're trying to use. Because there's the Father, there's the, you know, the Holy Spirit, there's angels, there's Christ, there's Jesus. It, just knowing which each one does and not intermingling all of that together because each one does a specific thing. So a lot of times... I tell him that, like, for instance, when I'm interpreting dreams, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth to me concerning this dream. I'm not asking Jesus because the Bible says the Holy Spirit reveals. So I need revelation concerning his dream. So I need to ask the right person. I'm asking the Holy Spirit. Now, when it comes to me going to the Father, I'm coming to him about something totally different. My destiny, my purpose, I might need an impartation of something. I may need something to be changed within my heart. 
just knowing what to use what for, but I won't go into that because that can go super deep. So I'm going to stay on topic. Verse 11, after all, who can really see into a person's heart and know his hidden impulses except for that person's spirit? So it is with God. His thoughts and secrets are only fully understood by his spirit, the spirit of God. For we do not receive the spirit of this world system. So this world system has a spirit that is operating behind it. Because it says it's not just the system, there's a spirit pushing this system. But we do not receive whatever spirit that is pushing the world system, which we already know what spirit that is. So that spirit is pushing the agenda of the world system. But we have not received that spirit. And because we have not received that spirit, we are not on that system. But the spirit of God, so that we might come to understand and experience all the grace, all that grace has lavished upon us. Everything that we need in order to get it done. The ability to mature into God and receive our inheritance. The ability to walk into the favor of God. The ability to receive, to be restored, to be reconciled, to be healed. So the more you feed your mind with toxic things like the news, gossip, disgraceful music, to toxic visual images, the more impure your thoughts become and the more separated you are from the mind of Christ. So in other words, what is feeding your thoughts? And what are you exposing your mind to? Because it is the gateway to the mind of Christ. And if it's filled with stuff that it has no business to be filled with, then it's going to be hard for you to hear. So the Father will often bring things back up so that we can address and confront something that he is concerned about. So all of this, a lot of times, is to get you to pay attention to something that he's constantly actually putting on your mind, but we disregard it. So the way in which the Father can speak to you through, it says, remember it says, reoccurring and directed thoughts. So now I'm going to shift this from directed thoughts to reoccurring thoughts, meaning that he keeps bothering you, he keeps bothering you about something. Now, if he keeps bringing it up, it means that you haven't done it. <laughs> then he's waiting for you to do it. If he keeps bringing a picture up of your auntie, and you know the last time you and your auntie talked, it was not on good terms, and you hung up the phone, and it wasn't good, and now you don't want to talk to her no more. If he keep bringing her up to you, guess what? He needs you to reconcile that relationship. Because he wouldn't keep bringing that person up to you if there was not nothing to do. Romans 12 and 1. Hold on, let me see if I'm in the right place. I think my position moved. 
where we are. So, sometimes he just wants us to forgive. So if we keep flashing images, we need to forgive. So we're going to go into, we got two more left. Because a lot of times these next two that I'm talking about, people will interchange them and they're not the same. We're first going to go into the gift of the word of knowledge. The gift of the word of knowledge. Because a lot of times people operate in this gift. And actually can be attached to certain gifts that you already have or certain positions that you already have in the body. The gift of the word of knowledge. A lot of times pastors and um, teachers, apostles can definitely have this as well as um, actually all of the fivefold ministry actually should walk in the gift of the word of knowledge because it's coming by the same spirit, which is the Holy Spirit. So 1 Corinthians 12 and 8. And it says... For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge. By the same Spirit, coming from the same Spirit. Now, the gift of the word of knowledge. Now, the word knowledge, diath, D-A-A-T-H in Hebrew, means discernment, it means perception, it means understanding, and it means wisdom. Now, the reason why it means all of these things because you can have knowledge in several different areas. So you get knowledge for discernment. You get knowledge for a way you perceive a matter. You get knowledge from understanding something. And you get knowledge, um, as you work knowledge, you get wisdom. So the word knowledge also in the Greek there was the one we just dealt with was in Hebrew. Now the word knowledge in Greek, gnosis, means a seeking to know, an inquiring or an investigation, especially of spiritual truth, which in turn becomes wisdom through implementation and practice. So the gift of the word of knowledge reveals divine facts. So don't get them twisted with wisdom. We're talking about divine facts. Now, being that this is Bible study, Bible study I would be unjustified not to give you homework. <laughs> Correct? It is Bible study. So I'm going to give you a brief list of biblical examples of how the word of knowledge, what it is, and how it actually operates and works in several different scriptures. You can take a picture of this with your phone if it's the easiest. You can see how the gift of knowledge gave names of people, revealed, and addresses were revealed in Acts 9 and 11. Now, I'm going through these, as I know you personally can see these, but I'm going through this for those on the podcast so they can write them down. So we have the names of people that were revealed and addresses that was revealed in Acts 9 and 11. I have lost items were found in 1 Samuel 9 and 20. I got how the enemy was exposed in 2 Kings 6 and 9. I got the relationships that were revealed in John 4, 16 through 18. 
I have actions that were revealed in John 1 and 50, nations that were revealed in Acts 16 and 9, and secrets that were revealed in Daniel 2 and 47, all giving you an example of what the work, the gift of knowledge is and how it works in several different areas. So for example, you may need information concerning what is going on with your children. They may not be themselves. Your sister may not be herself. Your brother may not be himself. But they haven't talked to you, but you can feel that something is, you can see or feel that something is different about them. So you can actually ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, give me the knowledge that I need to, in order to understand what is going on with them. Not to be nosy <laughs> and not to gossip, but to literally to pray, to know, to be absolutely concerned with about this person. So the supernatural gift of the word of knowledge is not learning through the mind. So I want to make this very specific, and I'm going to say this very slowly. The supernatural, key word, gift of knowledge is not learned through the mind. It is not intellect. We are not talking about the knowing of information through getting it off of Google. No. No. This is the, the gift of knowledge, the learning of information revealed by the Holy Spirit. Now, if the Holy Spirit leads you to Google something, then yes, that has been revealed to you, but we're not talking about intellectual. So when this supernatural gift of the Holy Spirit is in operation, the Father will reveal past, present, or even future details concerning specific information. It's like spiritual CIA <laughs> in action. So the gift of the word of wisdom, our last one. The gift of the word of wisdom. 1 Corinthians 12 and 8. We'll read it again, for to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. So once again, this is the same Spirit, not a different Spirit. But now we're dealing with the gift of wisdom. Now, the Father speaks through the word of wisdom. Now, this gift is a supernatural revelation or insight into the divine will, purposes, often given by the Spirit to solve perplexing problems and situations. So you might need wisdom to do a project. You might need wisdom on, okay, do I do go left or do, or do I go right? This is different than needing to know information, spiritual information about something. You need to make a decision about something. Now, the word of wisdom is instantaneous insight for a particular occasion to make a right decision, to discern good from evil, or to resolve, to help, or heal a particular situation or need. 
This is the same gift that Solomon asked for and received from God to be able to rightly rule God's nation. So, in this wisdom, he was able to understand what to do in what? Difficult situations, which we all have been in. And we needed to know what to do. So wisdom is also associated with the fear of the Lord because there is no wisdom in disobedience. Psalms 110 and 10. Says the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. All who obey his commands will grow in wisdom Praise him forever. Now let's read it backwards. If you want to grow in wisdom, obey his commands. This will become true wisdom and it will become the foundation of your life. The father will use the word of wisdom to speak to you about what decision you should make to prevent you from walking in a life of error. You want to walk in a life of error because you don't have time to waste. The Bible says to redeem the time. He says to work while it is day because when night comes, no man can work. So you don't want to be out of alignment because you could be possibly missing out on favor. You could be missing out on blessings. You can be missing out on the connections you're supposed to be making with other people. So you want to walk a life that is free of error. So any believer can ask for this gift. Because it says so in the word. Let's go to James 1 and 5. And it says, if anyone longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom and he will give it. He won't see your lack of wisdom as an opportunity to scold you over your failures, but he will overwhelm your failures with his generous grace. So if you feel like you've been failing at stuff, he says, ask for wisdom. It's as simple as that. If you feel like something is not moving like it's really supposed to be moving, like you think it's supposed to be moving, ask for wisdom. So the Father speaks to you through this gift to those who are ready to fulfill their purpose. So if you're not ready to fulfill your purpose, it's really hard to receive wisdom. Possessing the gift of the word of wisdom is knowing what to do by the Spirit. If you want a basic bottom line, of the definition of wisdom. The simplest that I can give it to you is knowing what to do by being led by the Spirit. All right, and last and definitely not least is the gift of the discerning of spirits. This gift often kicks on for me. And for a long period of time, this was a very frustrating gift for me <laughs> because I would interchange it with my gift of prophecy. 
And so it is not the same as the gift of prophecy. Now, it can walk alongside the gift of prophecy, and you definitely use discernment as you prophesy, but it's, it's totally, dis the gift of the discerning of spirits is totally different from the gift of prophecy. Because when we're dealing with prophecy, number one, the foundation of prophecy is love. Number two, when, when we're prophesying, we're calling forth something that we see. So we're talking about the discerning of spirits. 1 Corinthians 12.10, and we're coming from the King James Version, because it's simplified enough. To another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, the discerning of spirits, to another, diverse kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. So we're specifically going to be talking about the discerning of spirits. So this supernatural revelation or insight into the realm of the spirit to detect them and their plans in the minds of men. Now, this gift is important in deliverance and it's important in healing ministry because as you know, in deliverance, when we're delivering somebody, a lot of times we need to know what spirit that we're trying to deliver from the person. So we need to operate in the gift of the discerning of spirits. So in this gift, it's vitally important to possess it. The gift detects spiritual number one movements. So a lot of times, uh, you guys probably don't even pay attention, but I talked to this about my husband. A lot of times when either I'm at home or I'm praying here, but specifically when I'm praying here, um, not only trying to hear for, from the Father as I'm praying, but I'm actually kind of scanning the atmosphere too. Now, the reason why I'm scanning the atmosphere is because I'm trying to detect spiritual movements. As far as the, using the gift of discernment of spirits. So, in order for the, the atmosphere to be a one mind, mark one heart, one soul, actually someone may come in with not that spirit. And we may have to deliver somebody from that spirit, or that spirit may be holding up the atmosphere of a breakthrough. So we have to be keen to what's happening also in the atmosphere concerning the discerning of spirits. So the gift of discerning of spirit detects spiritual movements in the atmosphere. It also detects activities that are going on in the spirit. Because there's activities that be going on in the spirit. For instance, we're in here say we're worshiping, we're praying, we're praying in tongues, and the devil is whispering something into somebody else's ear while we're in here praying. So we have to operate in the gift of discerning of spirits to detect that person's mind was not where it's supposed to be. The devil just spoke something to that person in their ear while we're in here praying. A thought just went through that person's mind that really shouldn't have went through there. And we're also detecting patterns. When it comes to the gift of discernment of spirits, we're detecting patterns that's going on demonically because someone may come in with depression and now you're depressed. <laughs> Another person is depressed, so there's patterns, there's strongholds taking place. We don't even see the seeds that's being planted just by what somebody might be saying or speaking to you. And this can be happening just in regular, everyday conversations. 
So it also has the ability to tell whether someone is earnest and sincere or whether they have their agenda. Somebody's so excited for God, oh, I'm so excited for you. Yes, the Lord is doing great things in your midst. Hallelujah. They want to help you, but they're trying to deceive you. They don't want what God really has for you. They want to see it fail. They're really praying against you. How would you know that? Unless you know the spirit that's operating behind it, which may be jealousy. But it's not the person we got to remember, because sometimes, and that's why I say there's been a very, in this operating, in this gift, I've had to learn what I use it for and how I'm supposed to use it because it's a very frustrating gift because you'll begin to distance yourself from people because you know the spirit that's operating in them. And you don't want to be around them, but not knowing it's not the person, it's the spirit. They need to be delivered from the spirit. Love the person and help the person get delivered from the spirit. Because depending on what spirit it is, you can become very uncomfortable. There's a difference, because me and my husband was having this conversation, because we were talking about the gift of discernment of spirits and how it operates in his teaching gift versus how it operates in my prophetic gift, because it amplifies whatever gift that you have. It's like a boost, you know? And so, for instance, in his gift, as far as his office that he operates in, which is teaching and apostleship, but in his teaching, you know, role that he plays, when it comes to discern, he can discern stuff in the word. So he's, he'll, he'll, for his, or he'll discern a spirit that something's quite not right about this situation, and he'll discern it. But I was telling him the way discernment works for me based on the gift that I already have to boost the gift I already have. Literally, when I'm in prophecy, I actually know the name of that spirit. I know what spirit that is. And when you know exactly what that spirit is, you can become very uncomfortable spiritually if you don't know who you are in Christ. Especially when the Father reveals, look, this is a lust spirit. Or this is a, a pornography spirit this person have, or or this person um, has a, a spirit where they, you know, they they like little girls or they like little boys. You will want to what? Withdraw yourself. So let's look at our last scripture, Matthew 24, 4 through 5. No, 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 no. It's Acts, isn't it? Acts 5, 1 through 10. Sorry, we do have one more after that. <laughs> Acts 5, 1 through 10. Now, this is in a message version. Now, you know, sometimes the message version hits you left and right. So put on your boxing gloves because it might hit you. <laughs> but a man named Ananias, his wife Sapphira, conniving in this with him, sold a piece of land, secretly kept part of the price for himself, and then brought the rest to the apostles and made an offering of it. Peter said, Ananias, how did Satan get you to lie to the Holy Spirit and secretly keep back part of the price of the field? Before you sold it, it was all yours. And after you sold it, the money was yours to do what as you wished. So what got into you to pull a trick like this? 
You didn't lie to men, but to God. Ananias, when he heard those words, fell down dead. That put the fear of God into everyone who heard it. The younger men went right to work and wrapped him up, then carried him out and buried him. Not more than three hours later, his wife, knowing nothing of what just happened, came in. Peter said, tell me, were you given this price for your field? Yes, she said, that price. Peter responded, what's going on here that you connive to conspire against the spirit of the master, the men who buried your husband are at the door and you are next. No sooner were the words out of his mouth that she also fell down dead. When the young men returned, they found her body. They carried her out and buried her beside her husband. He detected the reason why you kept back a portion of this for yourself is because the enemy lied to you and told you, keep that. Keep that 10%. Don't give nothing. <laughs> you got that power bill to pay. They're going to turn your lights off. You struggling already. Why would you give them 10% of anywhere? Where, where the money going anyways? <laughs> Lying to you, plant the seed in your mind, so that you can't reap the harvest from the kingdom. So you can't have unmeasurable resources from the kingdom. In which you are what? A citizen of. It's yours. But you got to pay a kingdom tax. Now, this is the last scripture. Matthew 24, 4 through 5. Jesus answered, at that time, deception will run rampant. So beware that you are not fooled, for many will appear on the scene claiming my authority or saying about themselves, I am God's anointed, and they will lead many astray. How can that happen if you're being led by the Spirit? How can that happen if you're operating in the gift of discernment of spirits? If someone is called, guess what? You got the same Holy Spirit that they have. You don't have a different Holy Spirit <laughs> that they got. If someone is called, guess what? Your spirit will testify that this person is authentic. This, your spirit will witness and testify this prophecy is true. Just like when the apostles was walking after Jesus had what? Descended and ascended, came back, he appeared in their midst, he began to talk. They didn't even know that was him in the midst. And as soon as he disappeared, they said, you know what, we think that was Jesus. <laughs> because as that man was speaking, our hearts burned. The same response that we had when he was here teaching us we had that same response because guess what we had already went to Pentecost and received what the importing of the spirit so guess what the burning came from the Holy Spirit testifying that this was the Messiah so Jesus said many will come in his name and would receive and deceive many 
but the gift of the discerning of spirits is given to the church to protect it from such things. This actually was what I call, remember I told you, we say a whole lot of cliches things, but it's like we don't understand what we're talking about. This is what we call watchmen. You ever heard that, that term spiritually, watchmen in the body of Christ? This is what they're referring to. Those that operate in the gift of discerning of spirits, they're like watchmen. They're always watching and they're scanning the atmosphere. They're looking, as they can actually see in the spirit. They can see when something is off. They can see when somebody, okay, they're here. We got a new visitor, but something is off about that visitor. You can feel it in your spirit. Your spirit will tell you something is not right. Now, I'll tell you how um, this actually operates for me, and then I'll be done with um, the teaching of part nine. So when it comes to the gift of discernment of the spirits in regards to prophecy is concerned, I tell you there's not really a lot of natural words to explain really what goes on. So I try to, to, to explain this in a way and, 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 you know, in which you can relate to it naturally. So basically what happens is like my spirit goes through the scanning process. And so anytime I come into a con contact with um, a demonic spirit, it is not the spirit of God. It's like, um, it's like my spirit makes a copy of it. And it's like, and it fouls it away. So when I come into contact with that spirit again, I know what spirit that is. Because I've came into contact with you before. Now, if it's a new spirit, it's like, hmm, I've never, and that's happened to me. I'm like, I've never, some, I feel something that's not right, but I'm not familiar with this kind of spirit. I've never came into the contact with this type of spirit before. Then I'll begin to ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, reveal to me what type of spirit this is. And then the Holy Spirit will begin to pour into me what type of spirit it is. And then I will know. Then guess what? I'll have a copy of it that when I encounter it again, I automatically know what it is. So it's happened like that before. And then as far as the atmosphere is concerned of the discerning of spirits, I was telling my husband, I'll give you this, this example. I was at home taking a, uh, a bath. Minding my own business, relaxing. I had a busy day. So, you know, the kids always coming in and out of the house, in and out of the house, in and out of the house. So that's nothing new because they're always playing. So you always hear the door, you know, front door, back door. And I'm like, okay. So when I'm talking about this particular, particular situation, I'm trying to get you to see that this is normal for the children to be in and out of the home or someone actually to be at our house at all times. It's always somebody at our house. So, particularly on this day, I'm in the bathtub. I hear, as always, the alarm say front door. Somebody came through the front door. But this was different this time. Now, I'm upstairs. My phone is right there, and I see front door. 
I hear the chime and I hear front door. All of a sudden, the whole atmosphere in my house shifts. I said, something's not right. That whoever just came in my house, I do not like their spirit. They just brought a spirit in this house. So I yelled and I asked my husband, who just came in this house? Now, it was one of those things like when Jesus was walking and he said, who touched me? And it was like, wait a minute, all these people, the 5,000 people, you saying who touched you? No, somebody, somebody took virtue from me. This is different. So this is what somebody always coming in and out of our house. But that particular day, the atmosphere of my house shifted and I was able to discern it. And I asked my husband, who just came in my house? And he said, oh, you know, as an artist, you know, they came to the studio, blah, 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 blah. And I said, I do not like this spirit. They just shifted the whole atmosphere of my house. He's not my husband, you know, when I go into the prophetic stuff, he was like, oh, boy, here we go. She's into the prophetic stuff. <laughs> I said, look, I know what I'm talking about because I would not send you, <laughs> ask you, who just came in my house? How would I know that was a stranger who came in my house? It could have been one of my kids. Just like we say, we can't make this stuff up. The kids come out in and out all the time. But I'm like, mm -mm -mm, this is different. I didn't hear nobody's voice. I didn't hear nobody say hello. Somebody just came in the house. So a lot of times, like I say, and, and sometimes you need to, to be aware Who's around you? Who's for you? Who's against you? Who's planting weeds when you're trying to put down seeds? Amen. So, Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus as you spoke to our hearts, Lord God, as you reveal, Father, that what you would have me to say to your children, Lord God. I thank you, Father, that the seed that was sown, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, shall not, Father, be plucked out of their hearts, Father. We thank you, Father, that a watering process will begin to take place, Father, in the name of Jesus, that this will begin to grow, Father, and take root, Father, deep enough, Lord God, hallelujah, to create, Father, in the name of Jesus, and anchor father of this word father that they will receive a fruit from it Lord God we thank you right now in the name of Jesus of what you're doing in their lives Lord God showing them the very different ways in which you can speak to them father so that they may father walk as sons and daughters Lord God doing things by the spirit Lord God and pleasing you father and we thank you father for the revelation of your word father in which you have revealed and gave to your children in Jesus name we pray amen